Hello and welcome to Alone Together, our podcast that looks at how our lives have changed since the COVID-19 pandemic. And in this series, we are particularly looking at life after lockdown. We are indeed, and as always, we are paying tribute to those amazing local heroes who have kept their communities going in these adverse times. I'm Dan McLaughlin. And I'm Morvan McIntyre. Coming up on today's episode, LBC's Will Giant chats to us about the latest tech trends coming out of the lockdown. What's really surprised me about the lockdown period is the number of people that have turned to all manners of different types of technology, uh, numbers and usage numbers pretty much on every tech platform you could think of have increased. Psychotherapist Maya Tomshi discusses how constant connection through technology can actually overwhelm us and what we can do about it. We've been disconnected in one way from our friends, from our families. And, and because of that, probably we also tend to, to message more, to, to Zoom more, Skype more, kind of constant connection via different technologies with friends, families, colleagues. Of course, we will feel uh, overwhelmed and uh, fatigued. And in the first of our Local hero segment, we speak to the Active Wellbeing Society about their Brum Together campaign which has seen voluntary community and faith groups come together to help those most in need in Birmingham. I mean, we have literally had hundreds of volunteers working with us on Brum Together. Taxi drivers, nurses, teachers, and then people like who needed food themselves, who didn't just want to have a food parcel, they wanted to give something back. And that's been amazing, you know, to be able to kind of, to be able to work with people across, across such a wide spectrum. So technology is the topic of this episode. I'm looking forward to hearing those fascinating interviews. Well, Morvin, are you a techie or are you a bit of a Luddite? Well, I think if I were to call myself a bit of a Luddite, then I'd be in the wrong job. (laughs) Um, But I think I'm probably a mix between the two. I know that's not maybe the answer you were looking for, but I'm not someone who will... For example, you get some people and someone will say, oh, there's something wrong with my computer. They'll come over in 10 seconds and figure it out. But probably I could eventually figure stuff out and work a bit with tech. Okay, what about yourself, Dan? Well, uh, up to a point, I would have thought, well, I'm I'm a techie. I do a very tech-heavy job. I realise I'm becoming more like my father as I get older, become a bit more of a Luddite because... It's going to sound like an old man speech and I'm only 26, but I see stuff like TikTok and I'm sure it's very entertaining for some people. I don't have a clue what to do. I just don't get it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think though, that's one of those things where it's just like the latest social media trend sort of thing. And it's kind of like when, remember when you were young and everyone had Facebook and then all the mums got Facebook. So everyone moved to Twitter and then... (laughs) the moms moved to Twitter. So people decided, oh, let's jump on the Instagram. And then now people are moving on to TikTok and stuff. So it's just an endless cycle, isn't it? I remember the more innocent days of MySpace and Bebo. But but look at me, (laughs) old old man millennial shaking my fist at Generation Z. Now the lockdown has seen people become more devoted to technology as both a form of entertainment and communication, whether it's speaking to your family on Zoom, or spending hours and hours and hours binge-watching Netflix. I spoke to Will Giant, tech correspondent at LBC, about the latest tech trends through the lockdown period, and he gives his verdict on what's here to stay. 
For anyone who doesn't know, can you explain what your job for LBC involves? You know, what is a uh, what is a tech correspondent? I've been really lucky. I've spent nearly 20 years of my life writing about playing with video games and technology. Uh, people say I should get a real job, but I've been really lucky and I've been able to spend time with all kinds of technology, all the big launches of the last 20 or so years. And I still love doing it. Um, technology as a news story um, just grows and grows. It's in nearly every piece of news we have these days. Back when I started, I was kind of the niche guy that got rolled out. Uh, you know, here's the tech nerd to talk about something that's happening. But but technology now is is in everything we do, in every big news story, stuff like coronavirus. Uh, you know, everything has has a technology element to it, and I'm really pleased to be able to do that and talk about that. It's been uh, it's been a great great time. LBC's just a great radio station to work for. When I started there, it was kind of London only. Taxi drivers loved it. Now we're a UK wide station, and we've got a real platform uh you know millions of listeners and uh, it's great to still be part of that that all sounds good so what tech trends have you seen during this lockdown period what's really surprised me about the lockdown period is the number of people that have turned to all manners of different types of technology uh numbers and usage numbers pretty much on every tech platform you could think of have increased a great example zoom back in february 620,000 people use Zoom every month in the UK. By April, it was up to 13 million. That's a, you know, a massive leap. And, and people are using Zoom as a verb now. It seems to have replaced Skype for video calls or Skyping. So loads of people are doing video calls. That trend seems to have remained. Um, the numbers of people now using either BBC iPlayer or Netflix absolutely staggering the numbers of hours viewed have absolutely rocketed and seem to be staying pretty solid even though the weather's been good and we've been able to get out and about for a bit um services like twitch as well which is big in the video game space have been owned by amazon since 2015 um it's like a social network with video streaming for gamers um they had like um about two million brits were using it every month back in february Come April, it was up to 4.4 million. So the numbers on all of these platforms are really growing. And I quite love the fact that Auntie Edith and Uncle Donald really now know how to use uh, stream uh, to use video technology and use stuff like Zoom. It's not it's not the preserve of tech geeks or nerds like me or young people in quotation marks. I'm not young anymore, but I know a lot about technology. But it seems that all of this stuff is now being used by so many people, and that's the thing I love: the fact that you've got local choirs, um, you know, reading groups, all of these people who can't get together in a single space at the moment or need to be socially distanced, they can still get together. And so many of us have the to do it now it's not like you know there's been a massive uh, outpouring of people to go and buy smartphones or laptops because most of us have them yeah and I think um you mentioned zoom there I hadn't even heard of zoom until before lockdown and now it seems like I've got an account meanwhile my friends did quizzes on it and also like you're saying now it's not just one group of people using technology it's such a wide group of people it doesn't matter your age and we have what much more access so with all of these things in mind what do you think are is here to stay in terms of those trends that you were talking about? 
But it's, I find it really interesting. In lockdown, we were doing a, a technology phone-in on LBC. Uh, due to the nature of the schedule, I was doing a technology phone-in from 3 a.m. till 4 a.m. in the morning. You'd think that nobody would call. But we were getting 15, 16 callers wow. on air uh, for, that, for that, that hour. People who were new to technology and wanted to use it. I think increasingly... Um, an older generation who had decided that they weren't going to use technology, maybe it passed them by, have, have decided to adopt it. I think video conferencing is absolutely here to stay. I think uh, if anything could happen from this, I hope the government really speed up and make sure that areas that don't have 4G or broadband links speed up internet because it's just shown how crucial the internet is. If this lockdown had happened 15 years ago, just imagine how disconnected everything would have been because we all didn't have decent internet on our phones. We didn't have you know, fast broadband or many people didn't have fast broadbands at the speeds we've got. So from that perspective, um, it's been a fortunate time to have a uh, a pandemic because like years ago we just would not have been geared for this and the economy would have collapsed even further than it has but you know i think uh, video calling um video streaming services uh, all manner of other parts of technology will be here to stay gaming another example which i haven't touched on yet um the number of people buying games and downloading games has absolutely rocketed. So I think lots of people who may not have gamed for a long time have started gaming again. And we've also got older people who may have seen grandkids or their children gaming back in the day, but they've actually decided to give it a go, something else to pass the hours and have some fun with. Yeah. And I think as well, like what you're saying is actually technology's really been a lifeline for a lot of people during the lockdown. If we couldn't have FaceTimed family members or we couldn't have watch Netflix or we couldn't have done these things um so actually it was it was quite a big benefit and do you think maybe that's why then the lockdown then meant a lot of people were now like you said before they weren't willing to maybe learn a bit about technology but now they were like okay if I want to stay connected with my grandchildren or I want to you know be entertained during the lockdown I have to kind of learn and pick that up you've hit the nail on the head uh my parents uh 71 and 69 70 next week happy birthday mum if you're listening um and they um have to socially isolate my dad has a thing called a laryngectomy so as you've probably heard i can talk for england unfortunately my dad has no vocal cords as a result of throat cancer they've had to isolate and um they yeah they've got young they've got he's all right it happened 20 years ago but they've got young grandkids and they don't get to see them and that's what hurts them the most so my mum and dad who um three months ago, four months ago, if I told them to video call, they'd say, oh, we've got no interest in that. Every day now, they call my daughter, Lola, who's two, and their other grandchildren, who are seven, nine, and they spend more time with them now, admittedly by video calling, than they've ever been able to for the rest of their lives. So they've been switched on to something that I don't think they ever would have got. And that gives me immense pleasure in that, you know, grand, grandma and grandpa have come to expect this video call from their grandkids. It doesn't take the grandkids' time. They love speaking to grandma and grandpa, normally tapping them up for some extra money. But um, the, 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 whole, the whole concept of bringing people closer together, it's not ideal that we've all been locked in our houses and there'll be, you know, mental health problems and all sorts of things that come from this. But I'm actually seeing some positives. Some families are actually feeling more together than ever because technology has made that happen. And hopefully that stays after we all get out and, you know, the vaccine arrives and we forget about this um, very unique period of time. Yeah, no, I think um, there's obviously, like you were saying, there are 
concerns about other things that lockdown brings like the aspect of mental health but if we were to take positives from lockdown um I think definitely being able to stay connected online has been one of them so thank you very much for your time today Will it's been really interesting to hear your insights on that and um, hopefully our listeners find it interesting too my pleasure I really enjoyed it LBC's Will Giant speaking to me about the latest tech trends during the lockdown It's interesting to hear that more people are embracing technology no matter what age. So Dan, have you got any older relatives and do they use things like Zoom? Um, No, it's a short answer. Um, A sort of weird thing happened to me um, last week. Not not a weird thing, but sort of a almost heartbreaking slash heartwarming thing. Um, I was out for my walk. I was listening to podcasts, such as such as our wonderful, laudable podcasts available on all major podcasting platforms. And uh, I was walking on the street in Salford, and there was an old fella um, who asked, "Could I go to the corner shop for him down the road to get my newspaper?" And um, I came back, and this chap was about ninety, ninety-one. He said ninety-one this year, and he said that he has no access to technology. He doesn't even watch television. He doesn't even have a television. And I ended up chatting to him for well over an hour because he was just a lonely man wanting conversation. So it it really made me think in terms of technology is some people, our old relatives or all the friends or even our older neighbours don't have access to it. We're complacent about technology. We think, well, oh, we can just Zoom it or FaceTime it. Well, that's not an option for some people. So... It made me consider, um, you know, if there's any other people in your lives or in your peripheries, just say hello to them because they might be feeling more isolated than those because they don't have technology uh, to communicate with people. How about you, Morvin? Yeah, it does make you think. Um, I've got two grannies that are still alive and they both have iPads. <laughs> so they are constantly phoning me asking how to get the Facebook app up and why won't that black square on their screen go away and all sorts of things. Um, But, you know, they're actually, you know, they're fairly competent on it considering their age. I mean, they're both in their 80s. So it's pretty impressive that they're able to get on technology and they just quite like it because, you know, they can go online and have a look at Facebook and see what their grandchildren are up to, I guess. Um, (laughs) And yeah, they've, they've used FaceTime and stuff in the past. But I think for sure they're at first they were before they had their iPads they were quite um overwhelmed by the thought of having to go online and learn all these new things but as Will said I think a lot of people they are realizing okay we're if I want to stay connected with people as sad as it is I might have to go online a bit more um so yeah I think I think that's a really important point that Will touches on have you noticed that uh, s- certain a certain age demographic, let's say, uh, when they're doing video calling, they do it from a rather unflattering angle, like the sort yeah, of from below. Yeah, from below, so you get the the, the the double chins, you know. I know. Yeah. I know we we millennials are sort of um, always with the Instagram generation, so we've got to look perfect. We've got to look absolutely fabulous. <laughs> yeah, the, the unflattering lower angle. Yeah, I always I, when they take photographs as well. Uh, my grannies are both a fan of what they like to call candid photographs when you might just literally walk into the kitchen and that's their time to snap. And I'm like, really? I just woke up. <laughs> Paparazzi. <laughs> literally. Now, 
while technology is keeping us connected during this time of social distancing, this constant connection can actually overwhelm us. The lockdown has seen many of us spending more time on our phones and on our computers, whether it's through social media with our friends or staying in touch with our colleagues over video or phone calls. I spoke to psychotherapist and counsellor Maya Tomshi about how we can prevent technology making us feel exhausted. We also discussed Maya's insights into phone phobia. So one of the things that has become a bigger part of our day-to-day lives during COVID has been that we are spending so much more time on technology, you know, whether that be working from home, FaceTiming family members, messaging friends on social media. And for some people that can be quite overwhelming because We're now adapting to responding to lots of messages online. I mean, we've always been online to some extent, but now so much more. (laughs) So can you explain the science behind why we might find this overwhelming? Yes, uh, I'm just thinking, of course, but I I think before entering the science of, of it all, I think it is maybe quite important to acknowledge that what we are all faced with at the moment is in itself extremely overwhelming and tiring, uh, re- regardless of spending a lot of uh, time on technology. Uh, so, uh, we, you know, we might not feel overwhelmed and tired all the time, but I'm sure uh, probably many of your listeners, if not all, will relate to these uh, two states quite quickly. And, and perhaps even if we reflect back on time before the pandemic, they might realize that they did not really feel this way so much before. So all this uncertainty that we, we have been uh, faced uh, with, uh, uh, they all affect our well-being and can lead to uh, a certain exhaustion or overwhelm. Um, so if you put on top of this our kind of constant connection via different technologies with friends, families, colleagues, of course we will feel uh, overwhelmed and uh, fatigued. On, on the other hand, uh, of course there are several reasons why we might feel more overwhelmed with uh, excessive usage of technology. And probably the first one uh, is that we are being much more aware and sensitive to our own feelings and uh, emotions, but also we are being more aware and sensitive to other people's feelings and emotions too, which uh, means that we will we, we feel like we have to make more emotional efforts to appear interested. So we are more focused on facial cues, words, you know, sustaining eye contact um, if we are talking online, which can be extremely exhausting. Um, and uh, today, uh, and I'm sure you will relate as well, today all conversations start with how are you and they finish with take care, which are expressed with a genuine interest in others, meaning that people are displaying empathy much more and that takes that can take its toll on, on individuals. And second, I think uh, um, with a lot of uh, difficulties that we face when using technology from, you know, frozen screens, Wi-Fi breakdowns, all, all of that, um, or children entering rooms, which is a big one at the moment, we tend to miss out on a, a lot of nonverbal communication. So our feelings and attitudes are largely uh, conveyed by kind of nonverbal signals, signals such as uh, facial expressions, the tone of the voice, gestures, and so on. So if we are close to each other, when we talk, we process these cues automatically. 
and uh, can still listen to 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 each other but on the video chat uh, let's say we need to work harder to process nonverbal cues so so paying more attention to these things consumes uh, a lot of uh, energy of course that makes sense what you're saying there about how we are rely we usually rely a lot more on those kind of visual cues and stuff that we get from conversations so then mm. if we don't maybe have as much of that you know, online, we might read mm-hmm. into things more. We might then, you know, be really listening out, as you're saying, for things like tone or uh, the way we phrase things. All those things can kind of play on our mind a lot more than maybe perhaps they used to. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, it's also something about, um, you know, c- connection. You know, we, we've been disconnected in one way from our friends, from our families, um, and there is this uncertainty for some people as well. You know, when will I see my my dad? When will I see my mom? And and because of that, probably we also tend to to message more, to to zoom more, Skype more, and we 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 tend to read news news more as well. So um, for many people, maybe not all, it probably comes down to also wanting desperately to be connected with others, uh, as we are constantly reminded that the lockdown might have enormous effect on our mental health, especially maybe those who are uh, quite physically further away from their loved ones. So so we tend to be much more in touch with others than before. And with all of this in mind, are there any helpful pieces of information for dealing with all of these online messages and exchanges? So, you know, with many people working from home and we mentioned Zoom as well and doing Zoom calls and Hangouts. Um, so, you mm-hmm. know, what would you say to people to kind of help guide them through that sort of thing. I know. And I think this is probably quite tricky, isn't it? Because the, the my, my first response to this is, well, reducing time on, on Zoom, reducing time on FaceTime or Skype or social media will will help and that 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 will help for sure uh, maybe a, a lot of uh, meetings when i think of workplaces do not uh, need to take place online so maybe considering uh, a meeting uh, you know phoning each other you know if if that's uh, that's an option so um also when we do phone each other we can have a walk and being active, moving our bodies, even if it's uh, at our home, that releases endorphins, which greatly affects our well-being. And uh, also, it is le- the fatigue or overwhelm, it is less likely to happen. So, so all these things that we often hear, you know, kind of having some sort of a, a routine to our everyday life or Getting getting enough uh, sleep during the night, drinking less coffee, uh, stretching between meeting, uh, kind of planning breaks. Uh, and I, when I say breaks, I do think of no screen time. All of these things might uh, uh, kind of influence or affect us in in a positive way. And I I, I do think that. It is quite important at the moment to become stricter with ourselves um, and and with our time as well. Usually, you know, we we would kind of go to work, have maybe nine to five jobs, and and we we had we we had boundaries there. Boundaries were set. Uh, we we had a lunch time, all of that, and now we have to do it for ourselves. So, becoming becoming stricter is probably quite important, uh, but also uh, uh, very challenging for people. And some people have the added issue of phone phobia. So can you explain what that is for anyone Mm -hmm. who doesn't know? 
Yes, um, I. It's quite interesting. I think with uh, you know uh, the word phobia, um, uh, that is extreme fear. So phobia is more than a simple fear. Um, a, a fear is considered phobia when a person begins to organize their life around avoiding things that uh, they are afraid of. So is it an animal object or or speaking over over a phone? And phobia is a, a type of anxiety disorder. Um, and uh, if if the cause of your phobia is an object or animal that you do not come into contact with regularly, such as, for example, a snake, it is unlikely to affect your day-to-day life. But having a phone phobia is extremely difficult because we we can we are connected through our phones uh, a lot. So um, those who who are struggling with phone phobia uh, may have maybe no problem communicating face to face, but have difficulty doing so over the telephone. Uh, although in many cases, those who have phone phobia also feel anxious in social interactions. And when when you got in touch with me, I, I did a bit of a research on the topic and came to a survey from 2019, so from, from last year, of UK office workers, which found that 40% of baby boomers and 70% of millennials actually experience uh, anxious thoughts when the phone rings, which is quite a, a big number. But what is quite important is to to say that uh, phone phobia and having anxiety around using phones is different. Um, the symptoms are different, and those of phone phobia are more severe. With all that in mind, now mm-hmm. everything that's going on, we are using the phone so much more. I mean, I'm talking to you today mm-hmm. on the phone versus in person. So, you know, for those Mm -hmm. listeners who are struggling with anxiety around using the phone or other forms of technology, whether that be, you know, video calling or whatever that might be, do you have any useful advice and tips? Because obviously completely avoiding using the phone right now is probably not a viable option for a lot of people. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, I think the the first thing and from my perspective and experience, the most important one is changing trying to change your belief that you will always feel this way so so think th- thinking that you will never get to a place where you feel comfortable talking on the phone or meeting online is the biggest obstacle so your own negative beliefs that you cannot do it are actually blocking you so if 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 a person starts slowly changing their beliefs uh, there is no reason for things not uh, you know not starting to to shift slowly then talking to people about this uh, might help as well as um, uh, you might find out how many more people struggle with the same thing We're also referring to that uh, research uh, you know, a lot of people experience this. Um, and most of the time we think that it is only us that feel that feel this way. And this makes us think that something terribly wrong is with us, that we are maybe broken somehow. So, so finding out about others who suffer from it might be quite a relief. Um, and also we might be able to, to learn uh, about how others cope with this, uh, what they are doing in order to, to relieve their stresses. So, so normalizing how we feel is the, the, a very important step. Then uh, next, it's probably practicing. You know, practicing may uh, play an important part in overcoming fear. 
And um, uh, it may be helpful to increase phone usage at a slow pace, kind of starting with simple calls and gradually working uh, the way up. So um, maybe talking to family members first and friends and then further extending uh, both the length of conversations and the, the, the range of people that we, we, we talk to. And uh, usually... Treating phobias uh, involves gradually becoming exposed to what causes uh, fear. And this is known as uh, self-exposure therapy. Um, and people can try these methods with, with help of professionals. And, and some might even uh, find useful uh, kind of going and, and uh, learning about self-help techniques. So, so treating some phobias often takes longer and involves talking therapies such as counseling and uh, dif different forms of psychotherapy. And, but talking to a professional might kind of help find out where these fears come from and where and when they de start developing. And this might shed some light on why we feel the way we feel. This is also quite a crucial step when we think of changing parts of ourselves that we do not feel comfortable with anymore. Well, that's really useful advice. Uh, thank you very much, Maya, for your time today. I think it'll be very useful for our listeners um, and you've given some great takeaways there. So thank you. No worries, Morvan. And thank you very much for inviting me. And it was it was a true pleasure talking with you today and share, share some of the knowledge and experiences with, with all of your listeners. Thank you. That was my chat with psychotherapist and counsellor Maya Tomshe. Will you try to... Um, as a result of all this, Dan, reduce your screen time, you know, maybe to try and preserve some of your well-being. Yeah, I mean, that interview was fascinating, the sort of sense of being overwhelmed, you know, obviously we're in the the, the job of journalism with, with uh, being, you know, podcast producers for news organisations. And I'm constantly plugged into what I call the matrix, you know, trying to constantly get news, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a news junkie. Um, but the thing is, I don't think our brains are made to absorb as much information as they do nowadays. I don't, and, and I think in a way our brains are like computers. And when we're getting this sort of constant input of data, our brains are overheating. And as Maya said, you know, that can overwhelm us, that can make us feel exhausted. So sometimes, you know, it's good to be informed, absolutely. But it's also good to take a step back and take a break from it. Yeah, I think it's just like she mentioned, kind of setting that routine and taking breaks without screen time, things like that can be quite valuable because I'm a bit like you, Dan, in the sense that I could be on Instagram reading an article someone shared and then the next thing I know, I'm like watching a video on something in the, like, you know, and just jumping from one thing to the other all the time. And I'm kind of like, okay, I need to stop kind of the background noise and just like focus on one thing at a time. And I think we're it's it's really hard and like especially not only in the job we're doing but in this generation we're always kind of like trying to do a few things at once instead of just do everything one at a time. So I think she touches on some really important points there. Since we began alone together at the start of the COVID nineteen pandemic, we've been paying tribute to those remarkable people who've been keeping their local communities going. In this series, we will be continuing to celebrate the work done by these local heroes. And in this episode, we are highlighting the amazing work of the Active Wellbeing Society. Yes, indeed. And in particular, we are focusing on their Brum Together campaign. The AWS's Brum Together campaign is a coalition of voluntary, community, 
and faith groups, over 70 partner organisations from across Birmingham who are working together to provide essential supplies and support for those most in need. Alone Together's Matt Millard spoke to Active Wellbeing Society's Chief Exec, Karen Creven to learn more about the campaign. Hi, Karen. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Usually your service is involved uh, bringing people together, taking part in group activities um, to help improve people's well-being, largely community-focused uh, work. It goes without saying that coronavirus has made such things you know, near impossible at the moment. In, instead, now many of us mm. are isolated. More than ever, people are in need of additional uh, support and care. Many of us struggling financially out of, out of work or having to look after children and loved ones at home. And the Active Wellbeing Society's Brum Together uh, campaign has been there to step in and help an incredible amount of people. So could you tell us a little bit about how you've adapted and what services you've been providing to help those in need during the pandemic? Well, we've been working um, collaboratively now with other organisations and with communities for the last 10 or 11 years. And over the last three or four years, I suppose, what we've begun to notice, what we had begun to notice was that um, it wasn't just the cost of doing the activities that was stopping people from doing it. But some of our communities in the most need were really struggling with things that really as basic as as, as um, having enough to eat. And uh, I had a, an example um, just told to me the other day of a boxing club that that um, we'd worked with over the years to, to um, provide them with some support around food for their young men that were coming into the boxing club uh, because they were concerned that these young men weren't able to train as much as they needed to for their boxing and their skill levels because they just didn't have enough money for food at home. So for the last two or three years, we've been working um, on an initiative called the Big Feed Project, which is where we turn up um, and we use waste and donated food. We work alongside people like the Real Junk Food Project and Fair Share. And we've been delivering, um, you know, sort of free food to communities in need as part of the activities that we were running. And when um, when we thought that there might be a no deal Brexit, we were concerned about um, the flow of food because we've because we work with donated and waste food. We see the fluctuations that go on at certain times of the year, anyway, like Christmas and stuff. When the food, when the donated food and waste food system gets a bit disrupted and stuff changes, and that's really difficult for people relying on donated and waste food. Yeah. So we were concerned about Brexit. Obviously, once we started to hear about what the likely um, lockdown scenarios for um, COVID were going to be, it caused us real concern. So together with some of our partners, we started to think about how would we be able to get food to people who were usually coming to our activities to have food. You know, we were really concerned. We, we knew that there were people um, that were coming either for our holiday programs or for our you know every everyday week programs that weren't eating unless they were eating with us. So um, we, we started to look at how could we step into a different space then, um, carry on supporting communities with wellbeing staff. But actually, you know, we, there were things we couldn't do anymore, like some of the physical activities. But what, what else could we do? We had a staff workforce that, that um, you know, wherever possible, we would all want to carry on supporting our communities. So we focused on four main areas. We focused on um, taking up whatever activities we could do online. So we had a whole load of things like yoga, tai chi, mm -hmm. those kinds of things that we managed to, fitness classes and the like, that we managed to put online. Now, we know that that doesn't work for everybody. We know that some of the people in our poorest communities can't access um, data. They, you know, they don't have the money to do that. But, <coughs> but we also knew that there were some people that might still be able to access it and would stay, would stay active. And we put around that some telephone um, groups and some WhatsApp groups so that we could still keep in touch with people um, and encourage them on their physical activity journey, even if it was by themselves. That was one element of what we did. We then we then did a whole other piece um, called um, around food. 
Um, and we were we we worked with Birmingham City Council. We worked with the Birmingham Voluntary Services Council, and then about seventy organisations across the city, including people like Fair Share and the Real Junk Food Project, who've been amazing. Um, you know, everybody's been fantastic, mm-hmm. and we basically all worked together to step into the space to provide emergency food for people who didn't qualify as vulnerable or shielded, but who in fact either had um, were in um, food poverty because they didn't have money to buy food or they were isolating and were in food need because they couldn't get out and didn't have networks to help them with that. Um, and, I do, and I'm sure most people remember how difficult it would have been to have got a slot for a supermarket to deliver and what have you anyway. Yep. And if you don't have money for that, that just makes it even worse. So we set up a group. Um, we, 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 we tried to pull um, together a campaign that would allow other people to step into the space. We knew it was way too big for one organization to do by itself. Mm-hmm. And it's been an amazing experience. You know, we've been really, really lucky to work with such an amazing um, bunch of organizations and individuals. We haven't just had the traditional, you know, food organizations, even though that's great that we've had food banks and, and the like, but we've had faith groups. We've had community groups that have been set up just for COVID. And then we've had individuals who've come along, who've, who've um, perhaps done a shift packing food I mean, into food parcels and and maybe in their day job, they're professionals. And they've said, look, I can bring my skills to this as well. So we've got this huge network now across the city um, that's that's been able to provide um, support around food and food parcels and food deliveries. Then we've got two other areas of work that we've that come under Brum together. One is um, befriending. So we knew that lots and lots of people were at home and, and, and were vulnerable and were not part of networks and communities. And we've been able to provide um, telephone support for those people. Um, some people are in chronic need. You know, they might have mental health issues or other chronic conditions that mean they have very specific medical support needs. And then other people are are lonely and they need and and anxious and they wanted some reassurance and support. And we've had some lovely stories about people who've said, you know, who've been sitting chatting for for a few hours on a phone call about their lives when they were children and stuff, just saying, you know, if it wasn't for talking to you today, I wouldn't be speaking to anybody. And, you know, that's really important. And then lastly, what we've tried to do is we've tried to find those positive stories where communities are doing things for themselves or they get, they're working together to get support. And we've tried to amplify that back because in a time when people are, are anxious and uncertain, you know, hearing about what other people like them are doing is really helpful, you know, in terms of inspiring them, but in terms of also reassuring them. So we've had these four elements, food, befriending, uh, positive stories and then online activities and we turned and focused the organization and um, put it under that hashtag Brum together and we've worked collaboratively on all those areas with all the other organizations in the city it's been an absolute pleasure and and quite humbling really to work in this way with all these other great people yeah it's a- absolutely amazing um you know so many have joined together in in a group effort to you know to, to provide help and support for those for those most in need I, yeah, a big figure on your on your website I've noticed is this this near fifty thousand food parcels that you've delivered Absolutely. across Birmingham. So how, how does it feel to to know that you've helped so many people? If I'm honest, it's really mixed. You know, like the the some of the stories you hear are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. We've had people. You know, we've had people um, crying as they've as they've been given their food parcel with the relief of having some food turn up, you know, because they haven't eaten for a few days and didn't know when they were going to be able to eat next. Um, and, you know, you kind of feel like in today's society, it shouldn't be like that. You know, no. that, that grown-ups in my city, that children in my city don't have enough to eat. You know, that feels, you know, that that's kind of, that makes me feel 
really sad and quite anxious about the kind of society we live in. But on the other hand, you know, being able to do something about it during this time, you know, knowing that we've played a part in making sure that that woman did eat, that, you know, there were tears were tears of relief because she was getting a parcel of food that would last her a few days or a week. You know, to be part of solving it was great. But I must, you know, I can't deny that there's, there's a bit of me that thinks it shouldn't be like this in the first place. And that I find that sort of that, you know, that angst is actually quite motivating because that's what gets me out of bed. You know, today and tomorrow and every other day to, to want to change that. You know, that shouldn't be going on while we're the grown-ups in charge. It shouldn't be that there aren't enough, there isn't enough food to go around for all the people that we've got. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely um, something that for, for many of us, it, it wouldn't even, it, you know, it wouldn't even cross our mind. It wouldn't be in our consciousness that, you know, cities such as Birmingham or any UK city f- for that matter, that, that such things exist. So have there been any standout you know, positive moments from the campaign so far? Anything you may have heard from the doorsteps of Birmingham? Um, There's been some amazing work behind the scenes that's going to sound really boring to you, but if anybody (laughs) out there, if anybody listening kind of has done any of this work, they'll know what it feels like. You know, we ran out of of carrier bags quite early on um, to put the food parcels into. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody from one of the, from Church of England happened to be um, helping out that day, put out a call through his networks. And literally within a couple of hours, we had we had boxes of carrier bags being delivered. And, you know, and all for free. You know, it took it took a couple of phone calls and a bit of kindness. And suddenly the problems were resolved. And in the really early days, you know, we hadn't, we'd never run a food distribution on that sort of scale before. And so, you know, you know, it was a really, a real rookie mistake that we kind of got through all the bags that we had in, on the first day and did, just really didn't appreciate the scale of what we would need. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wonderful that the kind of community asked and answered itself. And that's been great. Um, I think some of the, you know, uh, there's been a lovely story that we had um, under uh, the Brum Together um, sort of positive stories pillar about um, a, a young man and his girlfriend who just couldn't take it anymore, couldn't couldn't bear what they were hearing. And they kind of went out, loaded their van up, the back of their car up, sorry, um, with food that they purchased and then asked all their friends and neighbours and ended up filling their car full of food and then just started, you know, working with people to distribute it. You know, that sort of story when people just go, do you know what, can't do this anymore, I'm going to change it. I love that. that. I find that really motivating. And I think, you know, this was just an ordinary bloke and his girlfriend um, and he's now part of, you know, a much wider sort of network in, in, in where he lives. And I just think stories like that just show that actually any of us, if we've had enough of something, can get up and change it. And there are moments when this all feels so overwhelming that it's really helpful to hang on to that, you know, that each one of us actually can make quite a difference in the way that we behave and the decisions that we make. I think that's, you know, that's just helpful to hold on to. Yeah, it really is. I mean, one, um, it, it's a privilege being part of this um, of this podcast because we get to speak to so many amazing people that have done exactly that. They've you know, in, in a time of sheer panic a, a, across the UK, a lot of people have stepped out and, and gone above and beyond to help those in need. And, and the work you're doing at Brum Together is is exactly that. And, you know, con- congratulations on the work that you've done um, so far. So if people want to to join or, or help out with the Brum Together campaign, is there any way that they can get involved? How do, how do they reach out? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have to say a massive thank you and shout out to all the fantastic volunteers that we've had. I mean, we have literally had hundreds of volunteers working with us on Brum Together, taxi drivers, nurses, teachers, and then people like who needed food themselves, who didn't just want to have a food parcel, they wanted to give something back. And that's been amazing, you know, to be able to kind of, to be able to work with people across across such a wide spectrum. So if people want to um, get involved, if they go to our website, um, theaws.co.uk, that's T-H-E-A-W-S dot co dot UK. There's information on there under the ha- under the um, banner hashtag on together. You can um, register to help um, if you want to, and we'll put you in touch with a wide range of of, of organisations that need volunteers. Um, it, it might be us or it might be other organisations, depending on where you live and what you want to help with. We are we are seeing now a return to work for quite a few of our volunteers, um, and people are saying to us, you know, they want the opportunity to do things in the evenings or around their jobs and wherever we can. We, we will accommodate that. We always need volunteers. There are always people to be spoken to on the phone. You know, there's always um, food to be rustled up or to get out. So, you know, we would really welcome um, people's um, contribution of their, their time. And if they can't um, donate their time, but they have some money that they want to give, there's also information about our Just Giving page. Um, all the money that is donated goes directly on food. There's no, apart from the, the you know, the proportion that Just Giving take, all of the money that comes to tours goes straight through and is spent on getting food out to people who need it. Amazing stuff. Well, there you go, guys. Well, well, thank you very much, Karen, for for coming onto the podcast, and thank you for all the incredible work that you've done so far in you know in Birmingham and and the wider area. So, thank you very much, and keep up the amazing work. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Well, that's incredible work from the Active Wellbeing Society and the Broom Together campaign. Do check it out. And that's all we've got time for on Alone Together. Thank you to our guests and thank you for listening to our podcast. So stay safe, stay positive, stay informed and stay tuned. This has been a laudable production from the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News and the Manchester Evening News. You can download Alone Together wherever you listen to your podcasts. But for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the NTL app for iOS and Android. Do you have any positive stories that have come out of the lockdown or do you know any local heroes that deserve recognition? Get in touch with me, Matt and Morvin, by following Laudable on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, or by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>